0: I want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching Hey, who's been on a like uh like an ocean cruise? Anybody yeah, Okay, that is something alas, I shall never experience, and um, my wife has less than zero interest in that, and please don't try to convince her after the service you know you just need a seasickness patch and i don't think there is a patch for uh, crippling claustrophobia i don't think that's been invented yet um so maybe wally and i can go together and uh no okay good Here's what I want you to do. Imagine that you are on the side of a ocean cruise liner. You thought you were being cute by acting out the scene from Titanic, uh, King of the World. And uh, it kind of bit you in the butt. You fall off the side. And someone on deck sees it happen, and they see you flailing in the water, and they grab a life preserver, and they throw it to you, and you hold on for dear life. And now people have gathered on the side, and they pull you up on the deck, and you're Coughing and sputtering out water from your lungs. And all these people are gathered around. They're so happy that you're safe. And they're kind of waiting expectantly for you to kinda regain your sense, uh, your senses. And uh you finally catch your breath and you open your mouth and you say, Did you see the way I grabbed that life preserver? Like, do you see how tightly I held on to it? Did you did you see my muscles? When I when I did, like I was all over that thing, right? That's a weird thing to say, isn't it? Uh, drawing attention to the way that you cooperated in the rescue effort—it kind of denigrates the whole point of what just happened, which is that you were saved. And uh, what you probably do is actually you immediately seek out that person who threw the life preserver, and, and you wouldn't just thank them. You, would, uh, you wouldn't do it superficially. You'd thank them profusely. You'd hug them. You'd invite them to dinner. You'd tell them that you are indebted to them for the rest of their lives. Gratitude seems like a natural response to being saved, doesn't it? To being rescued. Uh, doesn't it, it doesn't require coercion. Gratitude will flow naturally, organically, generously from your heart. And for those of you this morning who know that you've been rescued, that you've been saved, um, our prayers ought to be so of praise and thanksgiving this morning. In fact, let's just start real quick with what we call the Lord's Prayer. This could be a whole message on the first line of the Lord's Prayer, but I want to say this real quick. And if you join one of our abide groups, this gets unpacked in detail. But I'll direct you to the first line, maybe the most misunderstood line. Father, hallowed be your name. And so what does that phrase mean, Father, hallowed be your name? Um, by the way, real quick, don't miss the headline in that either. Uh, don't get blase about the fact that we're invited to call God Father or Abba or Daddy. Uh, we can have intimacy with God in prayer, and that's an invitation that no other religion offers. How cool is that? He And then he adds, hallowed be your name. So, uh, your name is to be holy, set apart, glorified, authoritative. And, and we can hold both of these things in tension, right? That he is both supremely awe-inspiring, superior in every way. And also, he invites us to this parental kind of intimacy, calling him father, daddy, daddy. So to hallow his name means we are to pray that God's uniqueness and glory will be recognized by others, maybe even through us. Uh, We pray to further the praise of God, not, not our own praise. We're asking that God would be glorified among the nations. It's a request that God's fame would spread throughout the world. And hallowing his name means that we we manifest our gratitude to God. I think there are a few things that will obscure his glory more than our ingratitude. We glorify God primarily through our, adi- our gratitude, our, our thanksgiving, our praise. There's a, a simple distinction. It might be this, that, that praise centers on who God is, thanksgiving on what God has done, and inevitably, those, those two will cross at some point um, as God reveals who he is precisely by what he has done. Uh, Psalm 106, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. So for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Scripture counsels us to offer praise prayers to God. Uh, Psalm 146. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. I dare you to read the Psalms and not be deeply challenged that we are to praise the Lord. The word praise or praises shows up 164 times in the Psalms. In fact, uh, the the whole book Of poems ends with Psalm 150, and it it ends with these 13 staccato praise lines. It's like like the ending of a firework show. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Uh, Did you bring your flute, Lori? Is it in your purse? Really? Next time, just stick it in your purse. Uh, praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, why should we praise God? Well, number one, if it weren't obvious, because He is a great God and He is worthy of our praise. We sang about that this morning. I mean, how else can we put it? He's just Great. Psalm 96, sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the small g-gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Now just look at all the reasons to praise him in this psalm alone. The Lord is worthy of praise because of the marvelous deeds he's done, He's not just an idol like all these other small g gods. He's real. He's above all else. He made the heavens. A few verses later, he'll say that he, he reigns over the earth. He made it and he rules over it. And the Lord will rule with, with equality and justice and righteousness. And then Psalm 103, I'll put it up here, uh, lists even more reasons why he's worthy of praise. He forgives all our sins. He heals our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns our life with love and compassion. He satisfies our desires with good things so that our youth is renewed like eagles. He is slow to anger. I mean, come on. Is God not worthy of praise and thanksgiving? We do it because praise is befitting sacrifice to the Lord. There are a variety of sacrifices that we should offer to God, and all of them are acceptable and pleasing to Him. Um, The sacrifice of a broken and contrite heart, um, doing what is upright and just, uh, our obedience, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, giving. uh, But there is this other offering that Scripture speaks so much about, and it is the sacrifice The offering of of praise. And so, if you're like me, you don't come here and just instantly, you know, drop all the worries of the day and just instantly feel like worshiping. But many of us choose to worship because of, of who He is and what He's done. God prescribes that we would offer our praises as like a sacrifice and it feels like a sacrifice some sundays but God honors that Psalm 50 the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me to one who the one who orders his way rightly I will show the salvation of God a heart of thanksgiving played such an important role in the New Testament church as well. Hebrews says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, uh, giving thanks or confessing his name. It's interesting that when Paul is is defining sin in Romans 1, part of the definition of sin is a lack of, of appropriate gratitude. He says in verse 21 For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor they gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. It, it makes me think of this G.K. Uh, Chesterton quote where he said, uh, The worst moment for an atheist is that moment when he is genuinely thankful but has no one to thank men and women, young and old, um, who experience God's goodness, his providence in their life, they ought to recognize their indebtedness to his goodness and generosity. They ought to recognize him as the source of all the good things they enjoy. You know, one day, Jesus encountered 10 lepers. You may know this story in Luke 17. And they wanted to be healed. And so Jesus told them to go and show themselves to the priest. And they went and they were healed, just even on the way. Only one, only one turned back, fell on his face before Jesus to offer praise and gratitude. This one Samaritan. Samaritans had this reputation of being dirty outsiders. So you're a Samaritan and a leper, the lowest of the low. And then Jesus asks, weren't there 10 who were, who were healed? Where then are the other nine? Has only this foreigner returned to give thanks? How, how sad, how ungrateful to receive that from the Lord and to neglect to give thanks to God. We praise also because through praise we can actually come into the presence of God. We can experience his presence. You know, just just offering thanksgiving to God is it ought to be enough. Um, he's worthy of it. He deserves it. It would be worthwhile in itself just to offer our thanksgiving. But check this out. God actually designed that in the process of praise and thanksgiving, there's this benefit to us as well. I mean, if that doesn't speak to his goodness, i, I, I I don't know what does. We are invited into his presence. And an important way that we do that is by bringing him a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Uh, Lisa read it this morning, Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. When, When we bring our offering to the gates of his dwelling, he doesn't tell us to sort of drop Drop off our sacrifices at the gate, and you know, he'll come collect them later, like like we're some Amazon delivery person. Instead, he tells us that when we come to his gates with this sacrifice of praise, the gates open wide up, and we can come into his presence. Come close to God, and he will come close to you, James says. We get to experience his presence. Psalm 16, complete joy is in your presence. Pleasures are by your side forever. So we come into his presence through thanksgiving and adoration and worship. And you will experience him in such a way, apparently, that we can experience real joy. And to that point, we praise him because we experience true joy, true peace through his presence. we see this example uh, in something that Paul said in Philippians. You, you, you may know this verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when we are anxious uh, by the challenges of this life, Paul reminds us to to turn to God with our prayer. Thanks, Paul, another pastor who's just saying, well, just pray about it. But, But he actually raises the stakes even higher by telling us that we should make these anxious requests with what? Thanksgiving, thanksgiving, doubly hard. But listen to the benefit, oh, the benefit. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is yours. Not only is there peace in his presence, but as we've, we've been reading, there's also genuine joy. But wait, there's more. If you call now, not just peace, not just joy, but also hope. Some of y'all need some hope this morning. Listen to Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In his presence, anxiety, worry, stress, they got to go. They got to go because there is no anxiety, no worry, no stress in God's throne room. None. And the reason for that is because he is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. No one can overturn his will or or thwart his plans or suppress his love. No one, nothing, none, nada. And so we are urged to pray with thanksgiving in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will you in Christ Jesus. So from one anxious person to maybe another in this room, when we are overwhelmed with crippling anxiety over circumstances that threaten to just drown us, present your requests with thanksgiving. And God promises that our hearts and minds will be filled with peace and anxiety and worry will be replaced with joy, authentic joy and hope. That's what the psalmist meant when he says, he restores my soul. He really does. We praise because praise increases our faith to pray expectantly. See how this works? When when we wholeheartedly thank and praise the Lord we enter into his presence and we experience him and in his presence we experience the joy of the Lord we experience the peace of the Lord and that in turn gives us strength Nehemiah 8:10 do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength and when we experience hope and joy and peace in his presence our strength is renewed that's what Isaiah was getting at when he penned those famous words. Even youths grow tired and weary, but, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar like on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. And Paul shows us the result of such strength, saying that when we are strengthened we become bold. Therefore, since we have a hope, we are very bold, Second Corinthians says. And when we're bold, we pray faith-filled, big, dangerous prayers. So these things kind of build on each other. When we experience the reciprocal gifts of, of, of praise to God, we also become energized to pray fervently, to pray expectantly. Um... We pray because, or we praise because, praise is a spiritual weapon against dark forces. This is real, folks. This is real. The Bible has lots to say about praise driving back the powers of darkness. Let praise be a weapon that silences my enemies, right? 2 Chronicles 20 recounts this story of Jehoshaphat, who was facing with the Israelites this triple army of invading forces, the, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Meunites. If it, if it had the uh, orcs and the trolls, you would have had the five armies of, for the hobbit nerds. But all the, all the Israelites gather, and they're freaked out three armies are about to invade and they cry out to the Lord in prayer. And Jehoshaphat says to the Lord that they are helpless against such a great army and that they are looking to the Lord for help. And the Lord responds and he encourages them not to be afraid. And then the Lord tells them to go out and face their enemy, but that the Lord would fight the battle for them. And so instead of sending you know, the Navy SEALs or, you know, his top Marines with swords and spears, this is what happened. Second Chronicles, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Wait. All the armies were completely destroyed by the Lord because they sent out the worship team? (laughs) Like, look, everybody knows musicians aren't fighters. I'm sorry, Glenn. You are a giant, (laughs) but you are a gentle giant. We We are lovers, not fighters. And yet, uh, God sends out the praise team, and what really happened here? Israel's prayer and worship warriors, they raise their voices to God in praise. An unseen battle takes place, and their enemy is defeated. Their seen enemy is defeated. Angels commissioned by the power of praise. Or think about King Saul, who was uh, uh, plagued by an evil spirit. He'd allowed the devil to get a foothold into his life. And yet, when David would worship and praise the Lord with his heart, that evil spirit had to leave. You can find that in 1 Samuel 16. And can I say this? Praise isn't just a nice way to begin a church service. Or, or what some of you call the part that we can be late for. It's not a warm up, it's not a fiddler till everyone uh, arrives for the headlining act, the message, right? No, and, and, and we're not kind of just starting with faff songs Uh, and moving into the slow dance, right? Like we're literally trying to enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. And those songs have a, a celebration energy to them. Psalms 149 says, let God's people rejoice in their triumph and sing joyfully all night long. Let them shout aloud as they praise God with their sharp swords in their hand. By the way, what we're doing here today, corporately, worship, Preaching, fellowship. They're not an ends in themselves. They're a means to an end. Worship and preaching are spiritual warfare. We don't exist to have a big happy social club called church. We we are here to drive back the forces of darkness in South Lake region and beyond. And one way to offer uh, to, to do that is to offer genuine praise and worship to the Lord. So, the how question. How should we praise God? Well, first and foremost, with our whole heart. Uh, Psalm 9 says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the wonderful things you have done. We're to do it with varied expressions. Speaking, shouting, singing. You know, we may be most comfortable in Canada with the speaking part of prayer, Man, more like the whispering part of prayer. That may be more accurate. But Scripture has all these other expressions of 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 thanksgiving and 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 prayer. One is singing uh, Psalm one forty seven. Praise the Lord! How good it is to sing praises to our God! How pleasing, pleasant, and fitting to praise Him! Now this is. This is more uncomfortable for us Western folks. Shouting. Well, wait. We, we more than understand that when we're at Scotiabank Arena and Marner passes to Matthews for the winning goal. Like, we get that shouting. It would be weird if you weren't shouting at that point. But when it comes to our great God, some of us, you know, we just die of embarrassment at the idea of, of shouting out to him. But look at what the psalmist says. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. And even clapping. Some of y'all think we're clapping just to, just to keep time, right? Nah, man, this is, this is how we go to war. Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Thank you. Who's who's the Amen guy? You're, I preach better when you're here, brother. Uh, we, we we the Amen guy. I apologize. That's we 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 praise with varied postures. In the modern evangelical church, we we seem to have narrowed it down to three. You know, standing, sitting, maybe if we're feeling crazy, raising our hands. But what about this? Psalm ninety-five. Come, let us. Bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You know, to physically acknowledge with our posture, bowing, kneeling, just acknowledging our our submission, our reverence to God. Uh, as I said, it's, it's appropriate to raise our hands in praise. Psalm 134, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Some of you who are new to church may be wondering what the heck is going on. You see these hands raised. Well, here's one of the reasons. The psalmist tells us in, in Psalm 141, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. It's it's like it's like the lifting of the hands is a gesture, signifying that we are raising up an offering of praise that goes like incense before God. Um, and what about dancing? Oh, Pastor, you've gone too far now. <laughs> please, we're not. Get, please don't turn us into one of those churches. And yet, we are to rejoice in the Lord with abandonment, Cheryl was in uh, Tiny Treasures last week, and she got to see this kids bopping and grooving and swaying. They're not embarrassed. Why did Jesus say we ought to be more like kids? Well, in part because too often our, our pride stands in the way of our worship. We don't think it's befitting for the most sophisticated people to be mm, shuffling about. <laughs> when David's wife, Michael saw him as king, leaping and dancing before the Lord in his sweatpants. She, it says she despised him in her heart. And later she says to him, all snooty and sarcastic-like, she's like, ooh, how distinguished that the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. And David says, listen, sweetheart, I was dancing before the Lord. You know the Lord, right? The the same God who picked me to be king over your dad, that Lord. And oh, by the way, you ain't seen nothing yet. I can get way more undignified praising the Lord. I can get way more undistinguished than that. Besides, you're just sore that your daddy named you Michael. Uh, There's something about these postures... Uh, they're sometimes humbling. They're sometimes <laughs> exuberant. That remind us, um, remind our spirit that God is truly great and in charge. And and when done out of a pure heart, I think just that act alone can can at times just usher us right into His presence. So with our tongue we speak and sing and even shout praise to God. With our bodies. We praise him. Um, we also can do that by adoring or appraising his attributes. I don't know if Ed Leto is here today, but I still remember years ago when he shared about his solitude time and he would just take time to meditate on one aspect of God's character, his attributes, his, his um, eternalness, his... his um, His love, just to meditate on it. And maybe you'll come across something in Scripture, like an attribute of God, and you might just stop right there and praise God for that characteristic. Or maybe you'll be reading Psalm 3. You'll discover that God is a deliverer. And you start to think of all the times that He's delivered individuals and groups in the Scriptures. And maybe you'll start thinking about all the times He delivered people in, in post-biblical history. And you think of all the times that he delivered you and your family personally. And maybe that segues into some form of declaration of confidence in God. You can do it through worship songs. There's no shortage of, of great ones these days. I, I just believe that this element of prayer, um, of praise and thanksgiving, expressed in lots of different ways is just a vital part of a growing prayer life. You know, our our prayers of desperate need and our prayers of almost inexpressible gratitude are often just that. They're inexpressible. They're unflowery, they're they're inarticulate. They can be almost guttural soul cries. That's why the Bible says that the Spirit can actually interpret our groanings. And I heard this story of a poor woman who, uh, who faithfully showed up at church every week, and she had the same prayer that she would just express out loud. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. She could, she'd say it every week. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. and the, You know, to the point where the... Uh, the kids at church would kind of look at each other and like mouth along with her, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And it was that same prayer until someone finally asked her, why why do you pray that same little prayer, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus? And she said, well, I'm just combining the two prayers that I know. I live in this bad neighborhood, and some nights there are bullets flying, and I have to grab my daughter and hide on the floor. And in that desperate state, all I know to cry is, oh, Lord. But when I wake up in the morning and I see that we're okay, I say, thank you, Jesus. And then I put her on the bus in the morning, and I don't know what's going to happen while she's gone, and I say, oh, Lord. But at 3 o'clock, the bus arrives, and my baby's safe, and I say, thank you, Jesus. She says, those are the only two prayers I know, and when I get to church, God has been so good I just put those two prayers together. Oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. We could learn something about that simplicity, right? The heartfelt desperation, that that kind of gratitude. We don't have to come up with you know fancy King James version verbiage. Um, it's more of a heart cry, and we can use words of scripture. I'm going to invite us to use words of songwriters. In fact this is our chance now to just respond, um, to actually practice what what we preach a little bit, prayer through praise. And we would love to hear you. We have an open mic over here. And uh, we'd love to hear your own words of gratitude, your own learning in this area. Glenn is going to keep an eye on that over here, and uh, please make yourself visible, stand by it so that, you know, between songs or in the middle of a song, we can just turn it over to you, but he needs to see you there. We're just gonna remember that prayerful thanksgiving and praise isn't just like the polite thing to do. It's how we do battle with unseen forces. So, will you stand with me and and let's do some battle this morning? Amen? Amen.